numbing shower, frontal spherical area attack with a five meter radius. Well, how did how did they do this? Con- what now we've seen meters <laughs> in the game? <laughs> does, does, does the game track meters? I guess so. But how is five meters helpful in a video game? <laughs> Hi, Sin. Hi, everyone. What are we doing here today, Richie? Well, we're recording about the moon presence again. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of a funny way of introducing it, but it's that. <laughs> I was going to be like, well, you know, it's it, we're like Vardy. We're just going back to the well, but like, I mean, he's doing much better than us. <laughs> This is just, this is awful. Our Moon Presence podcast was recorded about two years ago. Wow. Yeah, and so there is some updated information ever since that time, right? Yeah, I guess we can kind of justify this. I asked on Discord if people had questions about the moon presence, and there were a lot of questions, so I incorporated them into this outline. I see, I see. Mm-hmm. Very professional. Yeah. Oh, that's that classic chewing noise. <laughs> so, Richie, let me ask you. Certainly. What is the moon presence, generally speaking? I mean, generally speaking. What What is the problem now? Generally speaking, the moon presence <laughs> is a giant, vaguely humanoid lump of veins that comes out of the sky <laughs> and, and adopts you as its child and keeps you trapped in a kind of purgatory. Generally speaking. (laughs) Thank you. So, Lukulu and Che Pablo were wondering, what does the moon presence want to achieve? I think it wants a baby. Oh my god, that's so cute! Okay, has the moon presence tried watching Reborn? No, it hasn't been invented yet in the Bloodborne timeline. But if the moon presence, the moon presence is like an eldritch being that transcends time. So, if it's still around now, it could it could watch Reborn. Oh my god! And Richie, if there's somebody out there who's listening and they're like, I really wish there was an episode by episode podcast analysis of Katekyo Hitman Reborn. Where could they find it? Well, I imagine. If they are, if they wanted to know, they would already have looked it up and found it. And I don't have to mention ours. No, 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 because we were masking our podcast for various reasons. It's actually called The Policy, and you won't necessarily <laughs> find it by Googling a reborn podcast. So could you mm-hmm. specify which channel they would find it on? YouTube.com slash Sinclair Thank you. Yeah. 
and on our channel. It's called The Policy for reasons that will become clear once I release the audio of me explaining it to you, but you lost your audio, so it's just me talking into nothingness after I release the last episode of the first season. I feel like the way in which this diverges from the podcast two years ago is that two years ago, you thought you only had me for a very brief amount of time, mm-hmm. and you had to get things out of me very efficiently, whereas now you know that I don't have anything better to do than talk to you all day. <laughs> so, you're, you can just go off on tangents about Reborn and just chew loudly, and secure in the knowledge that I'm not going to go anywhere. That's true, that's true. Because yeah, the yeah. amount of the amount of podcasts we released when we just started recording is insane. Yes. And they sort of started decreasing when it became clear, like, oh no, Rich is trapped with me forever. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Mm. Thank you, Richie. Thank you. <laughs> Big Scholar is asking. Why do you think the Moon Presence was content, at least temporarily, with Gurman? Are the Great Ones lenient when it comes to what is and is not a child to them? Okay, do we do we want to go back to the previous question, though, because we didn't answer it, because you started talking about Reborn. Oh, I thought you did. I thought a baby was the answer. No, I said, yeah, but it, you didn't go into why. The question didn't ask why. <laughs> You're arguing with our viewers now. Uh, okay, Richie, please elaborate as to why. <laughs> okay, so, as far as we understand it, the Moon Presence has actually got quite comprehensible motives, and its behavior makes sense. It is not random. Um, It is not, like, this Lovecraftian um thing that's motives are unknown to us. It is something that we can understand. The deal with the Great Ones in Bloodborne is that they cannot reproduce properly, so they're always searching for children, but always searching for like a way to carry on and to something to sort of care for, which they can never have. It's like the one thing that is they're all powerful, but the one thing that they can't grasp is children. So the moon presence looks is there because it wants a child. What's happened is that Lawrence has acquired the remnants of a child of the Great Ones, a special child, we assume, from Annalise from Kanehurst. He has taken that to the old workshop. He's performed a ritual, and the Moon Presence has appeared to reach out and wants that child, but the child is, of course, dead. This has allowed Lawrence to make contact with the Moon Presence, and he has said to it, they formed, we're not sure how they communicated, but it's it's specified that you can actually communicate comprehensible in a comprehensible way with these beings he has formed some kind of pact with it we don't know the actual specifics of it but the the generality of the pact is that it will somehow bind people to this dreamland so that for one night they cannot die. They are bound to a dream, so whenever they die, they just wake up again, as if the night is a series of recurring nightmares that they're having, and that will continue um, throughout that night. And in exchange for that, um, this appears to be some sort of, like, 
holding the fort almost, that like that will happen. And while that is happening, Lawrence is going to go off and he is going to find another child for the Moon Presence. And he is going to bring it back. And then when he has completed his side of the bargain, he will have like properly communed with the Moon Presence and gained all of this kind of eldritch knowledge. And he'll figure out some way to kind of elevate his thoughts and being to like superhuman levels. That's basically what he's doing. And, um, German appears to be collateral in this, where he's basically said German is going to stay in this this dream state to sort of oversee it while I'm gone. But Lawrence has died after he left, so it's just stuck there. So German is not aware that Lawrence is dead. He's waiting for Lawrence to come back. Lawrence is never going to come back, and so it's just trapped in this cycle of dream after dream after dream every night, and it will never end until the... Um, until the player kills the Moon Presence, if they so choose to. Thank you, Richie. So, I have a question. You know how when Lawrence summons the Moon Presence, the baby that he uses, which he got from Kynehurst, uh, dies? Well, we think it was probably already dead, but yeah. Oh, you think it was already dead? It's not clear, but I think it probably was already dead. Yeah, because I was thinking, if the baby is alive, and then they summon the Moon Presence, like, why would the baby die? Wouldn't the Moon Presence just be like, thank you for this awesome baby? You know? Well, because the, the children of the Great Ones never survived. So, like, it was one of those children, so it would never have lived, presumably. But then... Yarnum's baby is also a child of the Great One. It's also dead. So why couldn't the Moon Presence just take the dead child that Lawrence offered it? Well, it's possible that Lawrence doesn't know that the um, other child is dead. Like, he's just gone off to find one. He's not actually, doesn't really know, like... It's not clear how much he knows, he just knows that there is a child at the bottom of the labyrinth. He doesn't know what state it's in. Oh, so it's like a trial and error. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With that children. Yeah. So it's possible that when the moon presence appeared and, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, okay, where's my baby? Lawrence didn't anticipate that happening. So he was like, oh, why don't you take German while I find your baby? I'm pretty sure it's that, yeah. So he sort of just threw German under the bus without necessarily consulting with him beforehand. I assume that, like, German is... It's like he's fulfilling the role of a child, like the Moon Present seems to be sort of caring for him. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of Lawrence's side, Lawrence didn't necessarily discuss yeah. this whole thing with German, where he was like, listen... Oh, the I, don't, I don't know, because German is just... German is, is very... Like, you can hear him crying about it, but he's crying. He's saying, like, you know, when are you coming back? He's not saying, like, why did you do this to me? He's actually oh. calling us like Lawrence, someone please, like Lawrence, please Lawrence, unshackle me. Willem, anyone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. Hmm. It really feels like Lawrence isn't thinking things through necessarily. No, no, he really isn't. When I first played Bloodborne and when we first mm-hmm. started talking about this, it seemed like he had more things under control, but now. Not so much. Well, d- at what point were you looking at 
the healing church, like, literally parts of it are on fire. (laughs) (laughs) And there's, like, werewolves running round and, like, (laughs) people outside with burning torches. (laughs) And they've had to, like, burn half the city down. And you thought, he seems like he's got it under control. (laughs) Also, he's dead and his skull (laughs) is this horribly deformed, like, ape thing. He did start his own lab or whatever, right? Yeah. That takes some organizational skills and... Mm. I don't know. I know a lot of... Fra- I've seen a lot of fraudulent like institutions like that set up. Mm. Where they basically just claim, like, oh yeah, we're absolutely like an educational institution to get government grants that they then just take for themselves and don't actually spend on anything. So it could be that he was just like... Someone in his basement with one computer claiming to be a whole healing church. See, now now it's becoming a, a 2020 podcast. <laughs> and, like, whenever people come to visit the actual healing church, like, he stands in front of it like, hey, this is my church, but let's not go inside right now. I'm just going to show you some other stuff, because that's not actually his church. <laughs> But it's probably it's not really his church, because he looks like he just moved into a church that was already there. Was it like an abandoned building? I don't know. Well, it clearly wasn't abandoned, because it's like the centre of the town. But I think, like, there was probably, like, another um, another kind of, like, religious institution in Yarnum that he kicked out. Oh. Were they the Spark Hunters? So they had to move to Yahargul, and then Mensis killed them all? Let's move to the next question. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Richie. Well, let me read the big scholar question again uh, to see if we answered it. If it's a big scholar, we should answer their questions. (laughs) Why do you think the moon presence was content, at least temporarily, with Gurman? Are the great ones lenient when it comes to what is and is not a child to them? Well, do, we don't really know if the moon presence is content, though. Because the closest thing you get to, like, understanding the relationship with German is when, is if you kill German. Because then it descends and it, it, like, embraces you. So we can assume that, like, it did something like that to German at some point. Um, I don't know if it is, like, content with German, though, because, like, it. It would only want, like, uh, another, like, supernatural great one child. I think it's just waiting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, you, don't, you don't really get a sense of its relationship with the- It's just cap- like you're captivated by it, so it's not, it's not entirely clear, like, what the being a captive is. Like, it appears to, to cut your leg off, but other than that, I don't really- Like, it seems to be- It's deliberately keeping you there, somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know the yeah. cutting your leg off part, because yeah. you mentioned that you now think that German lost his leg before he met the Moon Presence. It's a real mess because, like the whole um, the leg removal thing, it looks like that started off as a completely different thing in the story, and then they got rid of it. But then they still had this guy with one leg, so then they after the fact, decided, oh, that was the moon presence. But, like, 
the old Hunters trailer. Like, and if, fair enough if you don't, because it is literally a trailer made out of existing assets. But, like, that does show German with the peg leg, like, before all this happened. Um, but again, like, that that's just them reusing a model. They wouldn't make an entire new model just for that. But, like, you get some... Um, the other example is all the, the knight statues in Kanehurst all have one leg. And there's the reference in the old hunters to, like, beasthood creeps up your right leg. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that, like, yeah, okay, German, if he was a beast hunter, he might have had his um, right leg amputated at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so I don't know. So when the moon presence embraces our hunter, yeah, and if we don't have the necessary third chords, we later yeah. see ourselves, like, in a wheelchair with um, the doll taking care of yeah. us. And we're yes. also missing a leg, right? Yes. Is it the same leg as German? Uh, that's a. I think it might actually not be, but I'm. It is no. I think it is actually a different leg. Yeah. But um, hang on. I think that is. Uh, hang on. Let's get a picture of him up. Yeah, it's a different leg. Um, that I think is really that's. That's a limitation of the way that they do it. Because the way that they give you one leg in the ending is that they just, like, contort the model so one of the legs is, like, folded in half at the knee. Okay. So it it only looks like one leg from a few angles. If you look at it dead on, it looks ridiculous because it looks like you're just kneeling with one of your, like, one of your legs is folded in half. So what does that mean? Well, I think it means that, like, at that point, they had settled on the idea of, okay, maybe the one leg is a moon presence captive thing. But then in the DLC, they do go back to the idea that, no, it it's um, beasthood. is like, it creeps up one of your legs, so they have to, like, amputate the leg. So do you think that there could be some sort of connection between the moon presence taking your leg when it embraces you and beasthood, you know, creeping up your leg and your leg potentially being amputated? So the moon presence amputates our leg to stop beasthood. <gasps> oh, I didn't think of that. That's a good one. What did you think it was? I don't know. I don't know, but you're a genius, sir. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> what were you about to say earlier? Earlier, I was about to say, like, you can tell that we are kind of back in 2018 mode because, like, I answered a question. You went, "Oh," instead of like, eh, "Listen, be very deep. Eh, eh, I'm Richard." Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Richie. <laughs> so, um, let's get back to the angelic outline. <laughs> Thank you. It's quite all right. <laughs> um, where do we find the moon presence? It's in the hunter's dream. Why is it there? Oh, although there's another part, there's another place you find it though. Okay. In Lumenflower Gardens, there are statues that look like the moon presence. Mm-hmm. Those swirly yeah. thingies. Yeah, yeah, they're in Lumenflower Gardens at the top of the cathedral. And we've talked about this in. 
some podcast, but could you please elaborate on that entire situation? Okay, so like in development, it looks like that. I mean, we know for a fact Lumen Flower Gardens was going to be the path to Yahagul originally. You would go up to Lumen Flower Gardens, and then there would be an elevator that went down to Yahagul from there. They actually left the elevator and the door in the game. They just blocked it off with a with a wall. So Lumen Flower Gardens would not have been optional. It would have been somewhere you had to go. So it looks like there was something significant there. Um, the there is a version of the Moon Presence that loads in that area not a boss though it's just like the data for the moon presence is there which makes me wonder if like there was going to be something happening in like the big clock area that like led to the moon presence being summoned at one point like descending in front of the moon while you were there like watching from the clock or something like that um because it is, it's a, an astrological clock. Like it's looking at the movement of the planets and the stars and everything. So it, it being linked to like the cycles of the moon makes sense. They still kind of do it with the, the choir being there and being astrologers. Um, and yeah, like she's called Flora of the Moon, and it's the Lumen flowers, and there's these flowers everywhere. So we're like, okay, there's probably like you don't, we don't know for sure, but like a lot of sort of things there seem to be linked that like there may have been something important involving the moon presence in, in Lumen Flower Gardens. Um the stat so that kind of explains the statue. The DLC again sort of I think attempts to work around it because if you go to the DLC that is in the past and the past version of that the statues of the moon presence aren't there. So I think what it's getting at um, is that like it's this is set at a point before the church have contacted the moon presence. So what's happened is like at some point after that, they've I don't discovered something about the moon presence. They've learned about it somehow, and the statues are a result of that. And they've like brought these statues back to sort of help them like commune with it in the same way that there's all those weird eldritch statues in the upper parts of the cathedral because they're like trying to commune. Like they've they've grabbed all these like relics and things they're trying to use to commune. So I guess like on their quest to make contact with something, they maybe discovered like um relics of a prior encounter with the moon presence in the form of those statues, and that's what led them down the path to to commune with it. Thank you, Richie. Um now can you give me two minutes to uh grab some tea and I'll be right back? Certainly. Thank you. And you may also uh, grab something fancy. All right. Some some fringe with your tea. Fringe with your tea. (laughs) Okay, I'll be back. Hello. 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 Oh no, see, get out of my house. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> Hi. 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 I grabbed some tea. Yay. Guess what mug I'm drinking out of? Ibruitus? Yes. I don't think I showed this to you, but 
Oh, he's got toilet paper. That's beautiful. Yeah, so like if you summon him, he'll bring you toilet paper. Aww. Isn't that sweet? It is. Yeah. Yeah. I'll also put it in the description of this video so anyone can grab it if they want to. Somebody was like, oh my god, I'll print it and I'll put it on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we answered the question of where to find the moon presence. And we touched on why we find it there, right? Um, yeah, yeah. It's got its own little pocket of the of the um dreamlands where it lives with German. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My question to you is a little deeper now. The moon presence in the dreamland. We only see it descend when we defeat German. Where is it yeah. hanging around all this time? Well, it's possible like it can go into all these different dreamlands, and this is just the one for German. Which kind of makes sense, honestly, because it's just German's workshop and then some sticks. Can you describe some of the other dreamlands where it may be staying? Um, the podcaster's nightmare. <laughs> um, the nightmare of Patreon. Twitter. <laughs> Thank you, Richie. ADCD is asking, where did the moon presence come from? We don't know. It's not given a um, point of origin at all. Some because that's which is worth pointing out because some of the other great ones are. Because cause is given a point of origin. Um, the Mensa's brain's given a point of origin. Erden is not given a point of origin, but is implied to be tied up in the history of Yana. So we have like an idea of where like the current understanding of Erden came from. The ones that we're not really told about. Um, we don't really find, and like Briatus is given a, a point of origin as well. The moon presence and the amygdala, they're never given any kind of point of origin. They just seem to sort of always have been around. But it's not immediately clear if like the, if the moon presence is like specific to the Yarnum area, if it's, uh, when it, if it, like it would, seem to date from a previous civilization, but, like, was that Thumaru? We don't know. Because we do find the hunter's marks, which is what uh, the moon presence brands you with in the labyrinth. Yes. But, again, we don't know if they're, I guess, moon presence specific. Yeah, yeah, because the moon presence is the thing that's able to brand you with the hunter's mark, and, like, the messengers seem to, like, be tied to the dream that the moon presence is also tied to. Mm -hmm. Um, The other, the closest thing you get to a point of origin for the moon presence is that Don't say it, Richie! Don't say it! No, this is another thing. Okay, so go ahead. Is that it has an attack that does the same effect as the Kanehurst numbing mist. Right. And they make a big point out of the numbing mist being like this secret that only the Kanehurst Vilebloods know. 
<laughs> so it's possible that like the moon presence is tied up in the history of Kanehurst somehow. But it could also be tied up in the history of Thumaru, because like the Kanehurst people presumably got the mist from like their history as the the Th- nth generation Thumerians, so Right. Yeah. So a few minutes ago I said, don't say it, Richie, don't say it quite aggressively. Yes. And the code word for today is, what did I prevent Richie from saying? So the thing that I prevented Richie from saying, or thought that Richie was about to talk about, Mm -hmm. is the code word for the day. It's more than one word, though, how how will that work? Well, if you were following the code words, Richie, at times, Uh code words are entire sentences. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Princess Udemon is asking, is the moon presence actually from the moon? If not, why is it so related with the moon? Okay, so, like, they talk about it as, like, um, the moon presence is in, like, it's a presence that's called by the moon. Like, the moon has to be red for it to appear. Um, so they call it that because that's, like, the sign that it appeared. Like, it appears when the moon is red, but it's not, like, literally from the moon. Like, uh, like a moon person. It's that, like, the the red moon is the sign that the sort of barriers between the waking world and the dreamlands are breaking down. So when the moon goes red, that is the sign that the moon presence, like, could be summoned and could appear. So that's why they call it the moon presence because they don't have they don't know its actual name like we don't know its name either they just call it that in the same way that like like all the great ones like those aren't really their names except for maybe Erden but even that's sort of up in the air the names they're given are descriptions of them mm-hmm. yeah speaking of the name of the moon presence. Uh, Flora is a possibility, and that's something we yeah, will talk yeah. about a bit later yeah. when we touch upon uh, yeah. cut content. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Big Scholar is asking, assuming that most, if not all, great ones are ascended humanoids, mm-hmm. are there any theories as to which civilization the moon presence might have come from? We sort of talked about that. Um but it would be a very old one. Like, it looks like it was pre, pre-Thumaru. Mm-hmm. Like, the Moon Presence may have been the, the great one that the Thumerians were, like, initially in contact with. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Because the, the emblem of the Hunter's Mark, like, continues. Like, it's a recurring theme from, like, the beginnings of the Thumerian civilization. So if you view them as linked, then, like, it may have been a very early, like, contact that they made before. Like, it may not, it could be from space for all we know. (laughs) It could literally be living on the moon. I guess it could. And we will touch on that possibility later as well when we talk about cut content. All right. Okay. Thank you, Richie. Seventh World Problems asks, What, if any, are the links between the Moon Presence and Lovecraft's... Could you read that one? 
Nyalath Hotel. Yeah, beyond simple design parallels. But first, I have to ask you, what yeah. is <laughs> mm -hmm. this thing? Oh, oh, Nyalath Hotep is one of Lovecraft's like elder being sort of creatures, mm -hmm. and um, I don't think it, it's the design parallel is basically just that it has this, it has a similar sort of head. Nyalath Hotep's head is sort of like a single, like weird um, sort of orifice with this sort of tentacle thing coming out the top. Mm -hmm. And um, the reason that like we were talking with this, we were talking about this in the server. I think that's where it comes from. But, like, okay. in one of, I think it's the first Shadow Tower game, they just straight up use Nyarlathotep as a, a monster design in that. It's not called Nyarlathotep, but they just, like, pretty much it's, it looks exactly like the drawings of Nyarlathotep as just, like, a, an enemy in Shadow Tower. So we're thinking, mm -hmm. okay, the, the it, like, because obviously there's a lot of Lovecraft cues in Bloodborne, and the Nyarlathotep head design. I'll just send it to you. <laughs> And I'm actually looking at it in Google Images, and yeah. some of the drawings make me think of the crawlers. Yeah, yeah. All cause, yeah, yeah. And does the story of this creature have any overlap with the story of the moon presence? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Because the, the difference is, like, the, the, the Lovecraftian, like, Elder Gods... The whole point of them is that they're completely, like, inscrutable. Like, we don't know what they want. So, it's like, the, it's it's horrifying because there's something and you have no idea what it's thinking or what it's trying to do, but also it could destroy you. So you're constantly living, like, in this perilous universe where, like, if, if for some unknown reason the stars align, like, Cthulhu will wake up and eat everyone. But there's no, there's no like, comprehensible logic behind it. Maybe he's hungry. Well, yeah. Yeah, he is. Okay. Whereas in Bloodborne, they make a big point out of, like, no, these beings, like, even though they're so far ascended beyond humanity, they're still driven by things we can understand, and you can make bargains with them, you can offer them things, they can offer you things in return. And they're ultimately driven by this desire to have children that's something that we can relate to. So they don't they don't act like anything from Lovecraft really. They just sort of take some cues. Okay. Except maybe the amygdala because they don't we have no idea what they want at all. They're just there. They're just chilling. They're like, hey, what's up? Do you want me to take you to a nightmare? Okay. <laughs> yeah, they're they're like um I guess I think we talked about this before, but I think they're, they're like pilot fish or something. That like one, there's like a big um, like eldritch event occurring, so they just sort of like latch onto it, and it gives them something to like eat. I don't know some sort of energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I imagine them as now that we talked about them a little bit. Mm -hmm. Just like literally, couple of amygdalas visiting Yarnum because they heard it was a great tourist spot. Yeah. And then. <laughs> Like, they see the hunter, right? And yeah. they're like, oh, hey, hunter, hey, 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 can I pick you up? Can we talk? Do you want to see where I live? Do you want to see where I come from? Mm -hmm. And so the amygdala picks the hunter up and then crushes them, killing them, being like, oh, my God, I forgot. They're supposed to have that stupid eye or something. Oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah, know, who can say? 
Who can say? Yeah, because they're not really aggressive. Well, no, one shoots a laser at you and one tries to kill you. Richie, let me ask you something. Yeah. If you could shoot lasers, wouldn't you try to show it off to your friends? That's true, that's true. It's just trying to be like, hey, look at the cool thing I can do. Whoa! Oh my god, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I hate you. Oh my god, I'm so sorry, somebody call an ambulance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, you want to see what I can do? I can literally rip out my own limbs, bro, look! <laughs> well, that's it giving you an amygdala arm weapon. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. when you find it, it's just like, I have a present for you, look! Most people don't do strength arcane builds, but this one. Like, I think- <laughs> I think we've we've addressed the blood gem like issue here. You, you take this. <laughs> so now let's take a look at what the moon presence looks like in the game. Okay, Im imagine a bunch of veins shaped like a person. Mm -hmm. You got yourself a moon presence. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't say that the moon presence is necessarily shaped like a person. Mm-hmm. Mm, more like... I don't know, like... Okay, from the top. <laughs> the moon presence. Its body is humanoid, but it has, like, a very, very long torso and very long arms. So it sort of yeah. punches over on, on all fours. Mm -hmm. Its abdomen is all torn up. So basically from the um, rib cage to the pelvis, it is just bones and sinew. Mm -hmm. That really doesn't look natural. That looks like it was injured. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It has tiny little tattered wings hanging off its back. Mm -hmm. It has... I'm going to say two tails, but its tails all kind of, like, branch off in different directions. It sort of looks like a circulatory system, like veins all sort of coming off the back. Doesn't Rom have something similar? Well, Rom has- Rom kind of looks like a carrot. No, but I mean in terms of tails. Yeah, I no, but Rom, but Rom looks like she's growing, like, fronds out of a- or like leaves out of oh, the back of her. Okay, okay, yeah. Moon presence okay. looks more like like veins. Okay. Um, and her head is basically just a single like hole in the middle of this sort of oval. And I think you mentioned it in one of your videos, if I'm not mistaken, that this has some sort of resemblance to an umbilical cord. That wasn't me, but other people have noticed that, okay. like. Mm -hmm. Her, like she has, it's an oval with like one big sort of hole that like it, it's sort of, I guess that's her eye. Like she sort of makes eye contact with you using it. But there's two <laughs> other smaller little like lumps on it that they, they could be eyes and that could be a mouth for all you know. But if you look at it in, in cross section, it kind of looks like a cross section of a, like an umbilical cord. It's got these different sort of like tubes in it. Mm -hmm. And then out the back of her head. She has this, like, like a lion's mane, but it's made out of these, like, sort of, t they kind of look like worms, like these big tentacles that, the same as her tail, they look like veins that are coming out the back. and Like a Medusa feel going on. Yeah, yeah, she looks a bit, that's what she looks like. If you, that's for everyone who, five years after Bloodborne came out, is listening to a Bloodborne podcast but doesn't know what the moon presence looks like. 
So. <laughs> Thank you, Richie. Also, I noticed she has very well taken care of um, nails. Yeah. They're very long. They're very pointy. You can see that they're mm -hmm. like polished or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she does. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's what she does in between being summoned? <laughs> just, just filing her nails, like waiting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because they're really nice. Look, not a chipped nail in sight. They're all shaped perfectly. They're all the yeah. same length. Yeah. Yeah. Because she only has to work when she's called on. So she's probably just like, she's like at her desk filing her nails and get the phone every so often. Like, oh, I'll call <laughs> out. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. And you mentioned a good point. She does look like she's injured. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, we sort of think we understand why this is now, which we'll talk about later on. But. Um, when I first played it, I took it to be, like, the whole point is she can't reproduce. So I, I thought the idea was, like, oh, her, like, her, like, abdomen is gone. Because she, like, it's, like, symbolic of the fact she can't have children is that she's got no, like, no womb, no, like, reproductive system. It's just, like, a spine. It's all, like, mm -hmm. been torn away. Like, this sort of violent, mm. like, violently taking away the ability to reproduce. Thank you, Richie. And now we're going to take a look at the art book and the moon presence that's represented in the art book. Mm -hmm. We certainly are. <laughs> Let's turn to page 168. Okay. A little enthusiasm, Richie. I love page 168. Holy shit. <laughs> Thank you, Richie. Do this! <laughs> so can you describe what we see here, and in what way, if any, is it different from the game? We see the moon presence, which is exactly what we just described. <laughs> um, the, the, she has a sort of aura of mist around her head, mm -hmm. and that, that is something that she does in-game. Mm -hmm. It's like a, it's an attack she does. It's the source of the numbing mist thing that stops you from healing. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of the art shows her doing that, which I wonder if she was, like, intended to sort of have that around her, like, normally, instead of just for that one attack, because they do draw it a lot. Um, the difference, I think, is, like, I think her tails are much bigger in this drawing than they are in the game, yeah. but it's, yeah, yeah. kind of hard to tell, because she's very okay. weakly, yeah. Okay, thank yeah. you, Richie. So yeah. now let's go to 169. Uh-huh. Well, I noticed one major difference already. What is it? Her nails are not as well taken care of in this art. Yeah, one of her hands is all like a mess. Yeah. It's all like melted. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm, yeah. Yeah, she's got the um the aura around her head in like all three images of her. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is there anything else you want to mention about this picture? Um, I guess in these images, her colouring is different, because when you meet her in-game, she's red. Mm -hmm. In these images, she's much, she's like a sort of blackish, she looks kind of like dried blood. And that makes the, um, 
the injuries on her seem more like they stand out more. You can see like her the little like orifices on her face, they have blood leaking out of them. Like she's been like wounded. And mm-hmm. her her torso, like you can see that there's all this like blood coming out of where her torso is broken open. Yeah. Yeah. And if you go down, there are three little images. Yeah. I think this is where her wings may have been or something. She still, it's weird because she still has wings, but they're tiny little like tattered mm-hmm. ones. They're kind of like Raziel in Soul Reaver. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Thank you. And let's move on to the next page. Yeah. Now, this is an interesting one. This is a is, juicy one. This is the one that confirms she's Erden. It doesn't. Yeah, can you tell us why? Because the the final thing you get is a big double page spread of her. Uh-huh. And then in in like the negative space of of the image, there's a quote about Erden. Can you read the quote? Human or no, the oozing blood is a medium of the highest grade and the essence of the formless great one, Erden. Both Erden and his inadvertent worshippers surreptitiously seek the precious blood. Now, can you read this in your best pirate voice? <laughs> you can tell it's 2020. <laughs> Yar, mateys. Landlubber or no. <laughs> The oozing blood is a medium of the highest grade, and the essence of the formless swab, Erden. Both Erden and his inadvertent <laughs> worshippers surreptitiously seek the precious blood. Yar. <laughs> Thank you. Do you know that in the lore of the Snack Covenant, this is one of the voices that people appreciate the most? Um, so I probably didn't do it very well then, because my throat was dry. No, you did. I think you did an excellent job. Okay, okay thank you. It was very good. Thank you, Ritchie. So now, can you describe the drawing of the moon presence on this two-page spread? So this is a very different drawing of the moon presence to the kind that we have seen before. Because her, firstly, her torso is completely intact. She's not wounded. She's not bleeding. Hmm. Um, she has extremely large wings. They're, like, larger than the rest of her body. They look like they could actually... She could fly with them. They're not the little tattered ones. Mm-hmm. And she's also covered in messengers. They're, like, crawling all over her and, like, clinging to her and, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, like, they're in the cloud. They're, like, crawling up her wings and up her legs. and Yeah. They're crawling, like, around her shoulders and they're sort of, like, hugging her and latching onto her. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. And yeah, she's got the the um aura around her head again as well, and it's absolutely yeah. huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. A good point. Okay. Okay. <sighs> Sorry. Okay. I thought you. I thought you were mocking me because I yawn. No. Yawns are contagious. Oh, thank you, Richie. I'm sorry. I'm so boring. (laughs) No. (laughs) Thank you, Richie. Um, There were actually a couple of questions that we can look at now. Okay. Ypsilon and Lord of Slumberway are wondering, 
What's your relation? What? Yeah, what? Yes. What? Oh, I thought I you said, said okay. yes. I'm agreeing with you. Oh, okay. Let me just start again. Ypsilon and Lord of the Slumber Way are wondering, what's the relationship between the Moon Presence and the Messengers? Hmm. Well, what do you think it is? I'm not sure, but it seems like the Moon Presence is like a mom to them in the last thread that we saw. Yeah, I think that's exact. That's what it really looks like. It looks like they are like clinging to her, like they're her children. Which makes sense if you assume like she's connected to the hunters and the messengers because they look like they've been around forever. Because what happens is like the the messengers are in the dream, and then the doll is like they revere hunters, but then it's also not clear. Like I don't think they are specifically just in the hunters' dream though, because you see them like inside of the crawlers in the nightmare frontier. Yeah. And there's, like, messenger-related items in the Nightmare Frontier. Um, but basically, like, I think, and I don't know if, if they kept going with this or it's something they abandoned, but I think the idea is that the messengers are the dead children of the Great of Ones. the Great Ones, yeah. Yeah, I think it's that. And that would sort of make sense, because, like, the the moon presence, like, those would be all the children that she's lost, sort of, like, their, their spirit sort of clinging to her. Do you think it could be all the children that she lost, or all the children that she sort of collected as she answered um, to people who called upon her? Yeah, it could be, it could be both. Because they talk about the messengers, they're, like, they're very, very childlike. Because mm-hmm. it says, like, if you, like, she's, oh, they, I don't understand them, but they're very sweet, and they just sort of revere the hunters and follow them around like children. And the whole idea of, like, the the clothing is it says, like, oh, let them, like, let them basically play dress up. Oh. So they, they act like children. Yeah. And you find, like, the, the crawlers, because the crawlers seem to be a kind of, like, um... What would you say, like, a manifestation of causes trauma? Mm-hmm. And in that, like, where the orphan would be, you see these messengers reaching out. Right, yeah. So I think the idea is, like, yeah, the messengers might actually be, like... Because if we go into, like, Shinto stuff, like, the there's sort of, like, chill and Buddhism and things, like, specifically Buddhism. Um, and, I mean, other Christianity did this as well. But the idea being that, like, children who die before a certain age are sort of sinful. Like, you have, like, children who die before they're baptized, but then in, um... I don't want to say, like, in all Buddhism, because obviously it's a very diverse, like, religion, but... There's the notion that, like, children who die before their parents have sinned because they've brought, like, grief to their parents. Mm-hmm. So they end up in this purgatory state where they sort of have to like earn their way out of it. And they very explicitly call that like they very explicitly reference that on screen with the fishing hamlet. Cause the the area that you, you go to prior to the fishing hamlet, the like the 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 pathway with the water either side and the stones everywhere is a very deliberate, like, invocation of the Sanzu River in the Buddhist underworld, which is sort of like a, um, 
the it's like the river Styx in Greek mythology, mm-hmm. and it's a place where children who died before their parents are sort of sent. So I think the idea is if you view the dream as sort of like it's not literally an afterlife, but it's allegorically one. If you look at it that way, then like all the children of the great ones who've died and all of the like. This reference, and they don't really develop it. I think it was probably a bigger deal early on, but that, like, when the Great Ones curse you, all your children are stillborn. Or, like, all your children are born, like, deformed. That, like, all of those children, when they die, they sort of, like, the Bastards of Lauren are an example. They all just sort of end up in the dreamlands, like, their spirits as the messengers. Like, that seems to make the most sense to me, unless you just want... Like, you could just say, oh, they're just little things that live in the nightmare, but I think the idea of them as, like, the actual lost children is... Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would explain why they're all clinging to her in this artwork, like, like she's their mother. They're, like, hugging her. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And Ethan was wondering, why does the moon presence have wings? Uh-huh. You're gonna have to do a little better than that in 2020, Richard. She can just fly without them. I don't know why she has wings. Is she Batman? Did you know it's implied in Batman that Batman and Bruce Wayne are the same person? <laughs> Spoilers! <laughs> Clue number five. Bruce Wayne enters the Batcave. Batman exits. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Thank you, Richie. Clue number seven, Bruce Wayne says, I'm Batman. <laughs> but we can't rule out that he's trying to mislead us. <laughs> Thank you, Richie. So now, let's take a look at the guides. What guides? Bloodborne guides. I added the links in the angelic outline below. Oh, okay. So let's. So what we looking at? What? Okay. Let's first look at the Bloodborne collector's guide, the first one. Okay, I think that's where the art came from. Like I want to see basically the text that it has, if any, about the moon presence. Well, thanks, NintendoMadness.com. What? What is that? What does that mean? These are all watermarked NintendoMadness.com, despite it, despite it being a PlayStation exclusive. Now, Sin. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, the the collector's edition guide, the for the old hunters. Mm-hmm. It's basically just the old hunters. So it's not going to have anything on it. Well, the moon presence is in, is in the base game. I mean, we can look. We can look through here. Well, which one did you did you take the wrong one? I said Bloodborne Collector Edition. I'm just going to go down until I see the moon presence. Are we looking at the same one? Probably not. This one. Look, I'll send you. Okay. This is the one I'm looking at. <laughs> It's <sighs> crawling down. I guess it should be toward the end, because it's the end of the fucking game. 
Wouldn't it be great if you got the guide and you were leafing through and Imbruitus was in there? <laughs> that would be beautiful. It's 500 um, ages, damn. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. Okay, I found the moon presence. What She's page? on page 292. How did you do that? That's amazing. I just scrolled down till I saw her. 292. So, Richie. Yes. Now let's look at the guide, mm-hmm. um, the Bloodborne Collector's Guide. Uh-huh. No, it's called the Collector Edition Guide, right? Okay. We both stole it, it doesn't... <laughs> Wait! So, Neither Richie... copy is... Oh, <laughs> let me do a... this! I will murder let's you! Let's have a look at this 500-page PDF <laughs> you sent me. This is taking us 10 minutes to find the moon presence in. <laughs> Thank <Continue>. you, Richie. <laughs> So now let's look at the Bloodborne Collector's Edition guide. And mm-hmm. on page 292, we have the mm-hmm. moon presence. There she is. <laughs> and could you please read what it says in preparation and overview? The Eurasis is the boss strategy and doesn't tell us anything about the character. You've said it many times before about things I asked you to read, and at the end, it turned out we found something. As this fight will take place immediately after defeating German with no rest period in between, you might want to quit to the title screen and reload your save file to exit the boss arena and access the shops. The Purchase shop. as many blood vials and quicksilver bolts as you can. Oh, good, good, good. Like, really good like- strategy there. Just, like, <laughs> buy the items you need to survive. <laughs> Bring plenty of bone marrow. Just, just do- Continue, please. This- this boss is a pushover. Why do you need this? Okay. It is also <laughs> worthwhile to create some blood bullets since the fight takes place and you can purchase more. Oh, yeah, good. You'll save one blood vial. Um, <laughs> the moon presence has equal defensive values with no strengths or weaknesses and cannot be interrupted, so feel free to bring your favorite weapon combination. <laughs> the cannon, which you can fight fucking twice, can be extremely helpful in this fight due to its ability to instantly stagger the boss. Who has trouble with this? <laughs> Set your we- set your weapons with as many attack bonus gems as you can fit. Oh, good, good. <laughs> this is the equivalent of like avoid the enemies and watch out for fireballs. Like, <laughs> did you know you should bring healing items and make sure the weapon is very strong? Um. <sighs> Erden Rytherins improve the effectiveness of your visceral attacks. Uh, Claw Market Erden Rytherins. Um, the main presence is an extremely aggressive opponent from the start and will alternate between putting intense pressure on you at close range and leaping backward to avoid your attacks to reposition itself for another strike. Dealing enough damage to its head will knock it into stagger and enable you to follow through with visceral attack. Repeated blows to its arms will injure them and cause it to stumble for a few seconds, setting it up for further combos. Any injured part of its body will take drastically increased damage, including its head, and it will eventually repair the damage with its regeneration move. But this will allow you to stagger it again with focused attacks on its face. During the first phase, it will only use physical attacks with its tentacles and arms. Its combos and individual swings are very swift and can be exceedingly difficult to avoid, but it has a few slower moves that leave openings for you to counterattack. The moon presence becomes far more dangerous during phase two, even though it had phases! 
You just hit it and it dies. At which point it will begin using a gaze attack that can instantly reduce your health to one regardless of how far away you are from it. Oh. You know, you know when it does that? Yeah. So they don't seem to mention here. That has the longest fucking cooldown. Like, it does it, and then it just sits there doing nothing and staring for ages. Which means if it does that, you've basically won. Because you just run up to it and you start wailing on it, and it's not going to move. And then you just get all the health it took away back from because you're doing doing rally, like getting the the health back from rally. Yeah. So it's basically, like- if it, yeah, um, if you does that, like it's just I I the only dangerous thing it does is is to turn off your healing. That's like it. I don't think there's nothing else about it is even remotely threatening. Thank you, Richie. Could you I've please- killed it in one button press. <laughs> that button was L2. I had a whirly gig saw and a beast blood pellet, and it did not last long. <laughs> Thank you, Richie. Could you please now read the environment? You'll face the moon presses in the same meadow as German. Are we doing this for every boss? That was that was an incredulous question. I don't know what incredulous means, so the answer is yes. Ah, uh, <laughs> avoid being backed into a corner and make full use of the open space so you have room to maneuver freely. In this case, you, this is literally avoid the enemy. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, could you? Please I'm not reading read- the rest of this. <laughs> Could you it's please- just pages and pages of like, <laughs> just avoid being hit by it. Like, no, okay, how and about do lots you- of damage? Could you just read the key strategies? Aim for its head. <laughs> They're obsessed with hitting the moon presence with the cannon. You can shoot the cannon like twice if you absolutely spec for it. Maybe like four times. I don't know, I never really used it. No one uses the cannon except people in PvP who try to one-shot you. (laughs) Oh, okay, so let's look at the names of the attacks. But we don't know where these names come from. But that's cool, go go up where it says key attacks. Uh Uh Do you see the table? Yes. Okay, could you read the attack? And the notes that come with each attack. Overhead whip. Uh Forward overhead whip attack. (laughs) Spinning whip. 360 degree spin attack. (laughs) Jumping slam. Long range jump attack. Uh Charging combo. Forward dash combo. Seeking combo, same as charging combo, but with tracking. Uh huh. Regeneration holds its head and emits white particles of energy, repairs head and limb damage, but doesn't restore HP. Mm. But holy shit, there's a second phase. <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. Doom gaze. Ooh. Ooh. Holds its head and releases a flash of light that instantly reduces your hit points to one. Cannot be dodged or blocked. Run toward it immediately and hit its head with R1 combos to regain your health. I did not know it was called Doomgaze. 
but we I don't know who came up with these names. Like this is probably the people who wrote the guide. Oh. Okay. Doomgaze is a monster in Final Fantasy VI. Oh yeah? Yeah. Looks like a giant bat. <sighs> hmm. When you kill it, it vomits up a, a rock that's got a dragon in it. Whoa. Yeah. Rock dragon. Na 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 Numbing shower. Frontal spherical area attack with a five meter radius. Well, how did how did they do this? Con- what now it's in meters? <laughs> in the ge- <laughs> does, does, does the game track meters? I guess so. But how is five meters helpful in a video game? Rain's blood that temporarily blocks your ability to use blood vials. If any of it touches you, quick step backward two to three times. All right. Um, numbing cloud burst summons small clouds in the ground that explode. Shall we with blood temporarily block your ability to use blood vials if they connect? And then desperation combo, which is forward running attack with flailing arms. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know the attack it does where it reduces your HP to one? You mean the doom gaze? <laughs> yes. What do you think is the lore behind that? It's also an attack from Final Fantasy VI. Kefka does it. It, it takes it called um, Heartless Angel. Oh, no, 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 no. It's called Ghana, I think, and it reduces everyone's hit points to one. Hmm. We'll have to do more research. No. <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about anymore. Okay. Thank you, Richie. So now that we looked at Do the Do you guide, want the law reason? Do you want one? <laughs> yes. Because your the hit points is a measure of your vitality. And uh-huh. it's it's your but your vitality is because you're sustained by the dream. And the moon presence is in charge of the dream. So it must have the ability to take away your vitality. Why doesn't it take away all of it without leaving you a chance? Mm, maybe because its torso is missing. It's like ah. <laughs> I mean, that's presumably what it does in in the the other ending. Like it just captures you. You know, it doesn't have to beat you up. It just grabs you when you're done. There's no struggle. Hmm. Okay. Thank you. Yes. And so, speaking of the fight, I wanted to ask you, how are the third courts affecting the moon presence, and why? Well, when we get within about three meters of the moon presence, (laughs) it attempts to grab us with its tentacles, and I'm going to call that the tentacle grab. So when when it does that, it grabs onto you, and then if you haven't taken in the three third chords, mm-hmm. that just cuts to, like, you're in the wheelchair, and then that's the end. If you have taken the three third chords, it grabs you, and then there is, like, a pause, and then you suddenly uh, emit this, like, sort of white burst thing. Like, you sort of explode, and then the moon presence is pushed backwards. And then it starts to attack you. So the thing to keep in mind, which like 
I think a lot of people miss, but it's it's kind of obvious if you because what will happen is you will probably skip um the intro the next time it plays because you've already beaten the game. Mm-hmm. But that reaction is the same reaction that the Scourge Beast has to you when you're getting ministered. Because mm-hmm. what happens is like your you see from your POV like the Scourge, which is clearly like it's like a, a it's symbolic of the Scourge of the Beast is trying to infect you or it like comes toward you. It touches you and then there's this is the same reaction and it's blown backwards. Mm-hmm. And that's because the messengers have seemingly like inoculated you against it. They're like protecting you, so you've you've rejected like you've you forced the scourge of the beast out of you, and then this looks like you've also forced the moon presence out of you, and I think the idea is that if you have taken in that much sort of eldritch knowledge through the third chords, you have become too powerful for it to enslave, so it it cannot have a hold over you, like it has a hold over German and like it has a hold over you on the other ending. So it, it's about to, it tries to take control of you, it grabs you, it realises it can't. And then the boss fight is just it, like having this, like, fight response, like it's just freaking out. Because mm-hmm. it's like, there's something in the dream that's more powerful than me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Thank you. So I guess that's it for the guide slash fight part. We're never ever reading the guide again. <laughs> so now let's go to Bloodborne-Wiki, where we get a lot of our information and a lot of the screenshots that we put in the background of the podcast. Yeah. And it's Mev's wiki, and it's something you work on a lot as well. Yeah, the one we're reading now is actually like mine. This is a document I put together. Thank you. In game, the doll talks about Flora, and she says, Oh, Flora of the moon, of the dream, oh, little ones, or fleeting will of the ancients, etc., etc. And a few people speculated that Flora could be the name of the moon presence. Yes. Dialogue was datamined, which mentions Flora again. Could you please read that? This is a line of Germans. And he says, Lawrence, the end is not far away now. Every last drink. What? What? No, read it like Kermit. No. Come on. Come on. Lawrence, the end is not far away now. Every last dream will burn out. Flora will return from the moon. <laughs> As for us, the time has come to honor our vows. Hunters are needed no longer. You and I shall fight to the death. She will consume the victor. The way we've always said we'd end it. Oh my god, a surprise visit from a Bruitans! This is the best day ever! Hi, Bruitans! Hello. How are you? Good, good. Just thought I'd pop by. Oh, that is so sweet and so unexpected and so so awesome. Thank you. I was getting a little dabbling in a little community theater. Thought I'd drop by, do some <laughs> wine reading. 
<laughs> oh, well, that was marvelous. That was the best German impersonation I've heard in my life, I must tell you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Very sweet of you. Oh, um, so how are you dealing with the quarantine? Well, it's fine. I've just uh, spending time in another plane of reality, so... Well, thank you for dropping by, Brutus. We really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> Hope you have a wonderful day. Drop by anytime. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 <sighs> Richie, you just missed the Brutus. It's a shame. That's a shame. <laughs> you know that this dialogue is actually, like, in audio form already, so you could just spice oh. that in. Oh, oh. one second. Hello. 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 Yeah, <laughs> my dad just called me to be like, hey, have you seen? And he says this complicated title in Russian. I'm like using all of my brain cells to try to remember what those words mean, and I'm like, do you mean altered carbon? He's like, yeah! Oh, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> anyway. And then he's like, yeah, I read this book in the past, but uh, the series is really cool. I just wanted to recommend it. I'm like, oh, thanks. Are you expecting it to be a gorillas on the other end of the phone? <laughs> what, is, what is this horrible noise? It's me opening a bag of chips. <laughs> Very unprofessional, Richie. Very spooky, too. Oh, God. This is the worst noise. <laughs> Podcast cancelled. Oh, you want, you want it to get worse? Oh, no. Okay. No, this is fine. Why is this worse? This is ASMR. The bag stuff is horrible. Chewing is okay. <laughs> bag stuff is where we draw the line. <laughs> I mean, Ibruitus is technically your fault because you were trying to say Ibruitus while drunk, so. <laughs> and you, but, in my defense, you started making the voice, you were like, oh, did Sin just say Ibruitus? <laughs> Look at me, I'm Ibruitus. <laughs> like, your default impression of me is going, <laughs> I can tell exactly the face you're making, you're like, got your eyebrows pursing. <laughs> You're looking at the air going <laughs> and shaking your head back and forth slightly. Actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you, Richie. Um, so, the dialogue we just read, could you uh, tell what insight it tells us? Well, let's just open it again. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a bunch of German dialogue references, Lawrence, that they leave out. He only references him once now, I think. So what happens is um, there's one set where you like you offer to free German from the dream, as in like kill him. And instead of him, like, when you do it in-game, he says, like, oh, what sent you? Is it, like, the blood or the dream? It doesn't matter. Like, tonight I join the hunt. Mm -hmm. In this one, he says, like, oh, I graciously accept you freeing him. And then he says, forgive me, Lawrence, I couldn't wait. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that would have led to a fight. Because it sounds like he's just thanking you. Yeah. Um. Then 
There's another line that looks like it's for a fight, where he says, like, what were you thinking? If I die, you are to be next. As in, you will be the next person the moon presence has control over. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff that the stuff that you put a sound file in of German saying, and you did not use me reading in character, you got the original audio and you put that there. That was saying, that um, he says, Lawrence, the end is not far away now. So again, like the early versions, they put a lot more emphasis on him waiting for Lawrence. And he talks about how Flora, as in the moon presence, will return from the moon. And that that's sort of like... He's, he's more final about this. He's not... Because in the other one, he's like, forgive me, Lawrence, I couldn't wait. But this one, he's like, Lawrence, like, this is the end. So, like, Lawrence is fine. Like, the plan has sort of reached its fruition. So, it, we're actually at the end game now. <laughs> and he talks about how, like, the, the dreams are going to burn down. We don't need hunters anymore. We don't need the dream anymore. It's all going to come to an end. And then he says, we'll fight to the death and she will consume the victor. And I don't know exactly what that, why she is consuming you. So, the doll's prayer. Mm-hmm. She's offering a prayer to, she says, Flora of the Moon. Right. Right. So, initially, people thought, does she just mean Flowers of the Moon? Mm-hmm. We figured probably not, because they capitalized the F in Flora. As though it's a, like, a proper noun, so it's a name. Mm-hmm. And then when we got the Japanese script, which we finally accept might actually have been written first, despite the game having English translators credited in it since fucking 2015. <laughs> um, that phonetically writes it out as flora. So she's like furora. She's mm-hmm. saying, she's not saying a word that means flower. Mm-hmm. So she is addressing something that is called flora. And that led to like, oh, flora, is that the name of the moon presence? Is she Flora of the moon? Because that sort of makes sense. Like, the doll would be praying to her, because there's no other... What else would you pray to in the hunter's dream? Because there's no other sort of deities there. Mm-hmm. Um, And then, yeah, that's pretty much confirmed now, because German straight up says, like, Flora will return from the moon, preceding the final boss fight, meaning the moon presence is coming down. Okay. Thank you. It does get kind of confusing because they, they call her a Briatus at one point, but um, they played around with the names. So, like, the Flora stuff is the moon presence. It was She has other names, but Flora has only ever referred to her. Mm-hmm. And the whole Briatus moon presence thing, we actually did a podcast just on that, and I will post it below. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Richie. Thank you. Thank you. So now, Princess Coppertiller had a question, and they ask, what is the connection between Flora and the Moon, and the flowers in the dream? Is the Huntress moonlit scent associated with Flora, the flowers, or both? We sort of covered that her name's Flora, because it looks like she was associated with flowers a lot more overtly to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, like, yeah, okay, She's the names that the Great Ones have with the possible exception of Erden, and even that is a pun, 
seems like those are names that were given to them. They aren't actually, like, their real deal names. They're just, like, the names their worshippers have given them. So, like, Amygdala, um, it gets confusing because they have different names in different languages, but, like, the Amygdala's called that because it's, like, to do with, like, in English it's to do with, like, how the Amygdala's part of the brain that governs fear. Um, this thing sort of, it has a giant brain, so we'll call it the Amygdala. Makes more sense in Japanese because they call it Almond. Mm-hmm. Because its head is literally shaped like an almond. So it's like, okay, we'll call this thing almond, because that's what it looks like. Um, and Ibriatus is a kind of butterfly, so... Mm-hmm. You know, Ibriatus looks like a butterfly. Looks like sort of pupating insect thing, so we'll call her Ibriatus. Rom is the outlier, because Rom was a person. We knew who Rom was, so her name was always Rom. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Um... Cos is like they make a big deal out of like it's Cos or some say Cosm. Like they don't actually know what the name is. Mm-hmm. And that makes more sense again in Japanese because they, the word they use is like it's Gos. It's not Cos. It's with a, like a hard G and like a long O. It's like Gos. So the idea is it's like she's a ghost because it's, it's very close to the word for ghost. If you actually type that in to some translation programs, they'll automatically assume it means ghost. Because it's like you're saying the word ghost. So she's like, cause is like a ghost. So it's like, hey, go, ghost, cause. And then um, the Mensis brain just has no name. It's just the Mensis brain. And then Erden is like just the word Odeon as an anagram. Odeon being a place that conducts sound and Erden's a voice. So Flora. We assume she's just called Flora because... Well, actually, they call her the Nameless Moon Presence in the note. They just say, like, the Nameless Moon Presence. And so, presumably, like, they're calling her Flora because she's somehow connect, Like, she's associated with, with flowers, basically. She, like, she looks a bit like a flower. Like, her head sort of looks like petals growing off it. Right. So when they encountered her, like they, they possibly encountered her something to do with like the, the lumen flowers or something, and they were like, Oh, we'll we'll call her Flora. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And there are various versions of the moon presence that have been data mined. There is Moon Presence second form, and the idea is inherit the nightmare variation. Um, could we talk about that one briefly? Yeah, so this is this is the same boss model that you fight in game. It just has a different texture. Mm-hmm. And the texture is she's very she's like blue and white, basically. She's sort of it's the same coloration as Ibriatus. Mm-hmm. Or like something from Ace. Um, it's literally just a like a different texture, it's not a different model. Presumably, you could just like mod this into the actual boss fight, it would be the same. She's just different colors, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure what they mean by variation because, like, it could be a variation for the fight we have, but it could also be like, for all you know, in the chalices that we're going to have, you like encounter uh, another version of her. Like, you can encounter different ROMs and, and Ibriatuses and Amygdalas and stuff. So, they may have thought, okay, we'll have like a variant for the um, chalice dungeons or something. Mm-hmm. But she's not used. It's possible, like, this might have been for a cutscene or something. It might have been the 
the upper cathedral ward thing we talked about like maybe you saw her in the distance and she was like blue and white because she was partially transparent or something like that like descending mm-hmm. but yeah okay um blood having looked through all the textures bloodborne's really weird about textures and colors and things because there's a lot of things that i assumed like like the different chalices right they're different colors I had always assumed that it was one set of assets and then they just changed the colors when you went into that dungeon. But they actually made like three versions of every single chalice asset and just gave them slightly different colored textures. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's a limitation of the engine or what, but they don't seem to be able to swap out. They do the same thing with um the... The altar in the Grand Cathedral, like when Amelia transforms and the blood splatters everywhere, that isn't them applying a blood splatter to the altar. They actually swap it with another altar that's got blood on it. Oh. Yeah, so I'm wondering if there's just something about, like, that engine that just, it's more trouble than it's worth to try changing textures on the fly. Okay. Yeah, so I I don't know, like, there's a lot of reasons this might exist. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. And now let's look at the other version of the Moon Presence. Moon Presence yeah. Final Form ID Inherit the Nightmare Last Form. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we talked about how the Moon Presence's torso is wrecked. Mm-hmm. Like her, she's basically just like a spine now. Yeah. This is like an even worse version where she seems to have fallen in half. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, so from the kind of the middle of her torso down, she's just a pile of, like, entrails and goo, and she's dragging herself around. hmm Yeah. But also, the back of her, um, she's grown four enormous, actually five enormous tentacles that go directly upward. Mm-hmm. And she looks a lot like a species of mushroom that I've forgotten the name of. Um... Oh, yeah. Definitely. This is called the Devil's Fingers Fungus. (laughs) The scientific name is uh, Clathrus Akerai. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I think, like... It's meant to be evocative of that in the same way that, like, the amygdala looks like a moral mushroom and the celestials look like little, little, um, glow-cap mushrooms. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, Richie, we have mentioned this in our other Bloodborne podcasts, but taking the data mind dialogue and the forms into consideration. You had a theory as to how this moon presence fight could have unfolded differently. Why, thank you, Sam. <laughs> okay, so taking into consideration that there's artwork of her with an intact torso, right. The version we fight, the torso is wrecked. And then there's this other version that has, like, has fallen in half. And then if you slot into that German's line about she will consume the victor. I'm wondering if the idea initially was that she would descend and she would be she would have the intact torso and the huge wings and everything. And she would wrap herself around you like she does now. 
But then when you gave off that, like, energy burst, instead of it being a, um, instead of it just pushing her back, it might actually have, like, like, actually done damage. Like, just blown, blown a massive chunk out of her. And that, like, would explain why she suddenly has a messed up torso. Because, like, she would be damaged. It would also explain why this Eldritch thing is suddenly quite easy to beat. Because you're not fighting her at full strength. She's been, like, mortally wounded by what you just did. And it would also explain, like, why she falls in half. That you've just done a ton of damage to her. Mm-hmm. And, the, the, yeah, German's line about her consuming you makes a lot of sense if you look at it that way. That she would try taking you into herself and you would, like, burst out. And that would do all this damage to her. Mm-hmm. Instead of her just like naturally having no abdomen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Richie. Arc Devonator Arky says So, was maybe early in development the moon presence that you fought on the beach supposed to be a degenerate maiden in black? Um, that's a real loaded question. Because, like, the beach thing is very much the um the beach from Demon Souls. And we actually found some more assets to go with it. Where it does look like people were like, is there a beach underground? What the hell's going on? But like it does very much now look like it was supposed to be a beach underground. Like there there's like a back wall to it that would have had all this Thumerian sort of like architecture sticking it, kind of like Isolith. Mm-hmm. We, when you're in Isleth, you can see all the ruins in the distance. It looks like that with a big, like, beach in the middle of it. So very, very much like the the area where you encounter the old one in Demon's Souls. And again, like, I don't know about the Maiden in Black, because... I like, the Maiden in Black, she's already, like, meant to be a demon. Um, It's not clear, like, if anything in Bloodborne is supposed to be, like actually something from Demon Souls that survived other than it just being the civilization. So, like, I don't know what the Moon Presence is supposed to be. It's not like it's not like the Moon Presence is the Old One or something like that. The Old One is presumably, like, asleep somewhere, or it's just disappeared. But yeah, I don't know what the deal... I don't think the... I don't know what happened, because the, the, the two outcomes for the Maiden in Black are that she's either still in the old one, or she's dead. That's kind of it. So, like, I don't know what happened to her. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's possible she did ascend to become something else, because, like, she was, they talk about her being, like, the most powerful of all the demons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Maiden in Black might have been, like, the first Thumerian queen. You don't know. Oh, that would have been cool. But explain the accents. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Dragora asks, Is the cut moon presence in the Chalice Dungeons perhaps meant to be the corporal form of the Great One? And the one we encounter in the Hunter's Dream is an idealized version of its soul? Um, I guess, like, the whole thing about, like, that, we talk about it being part of the Chalice Dungeons, which it is, 
But it also seems very much like it was mandatory. Mm-hmm. Like they talk about she's descending and everything, which makes me wonder if like, like very specifically the um the architecture that leads to that beach is the same as the architecture in Mensis. Like it's the same motifs and everything. Mm-hmm. You don't see it in the chalices normally. So I'm wondering if like back when they were a bit more explicit about the chalices are just underground you're just going underground that at some point like the um the mensis scholars would have figured out a way to like to actually get to that demon souls area and you just follow them and there was just like a little little piece of chalice that you did as a mandatory thing it's also possible that like it being at the bottom of the chalice because like we have to remember originally queen yarnum was not a thing Mm-hmm. Um. So then it's like, what was the big like payoff for doing all the chalices? And I think it's possible that like that was the big payoff. So it could it could even have been that like you fought the moon presence as we fight her now, and then if you went all the way down to the bottom of the chalices, you got this, and it was like the true sort of confrontation with her, and it was meant to be the big payoff in the same way that Yana is the payoff now. But it's, it's the it, they went through so many different like iterations. It's really hard to tell what is what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Richie. So we actually have a lot more questions from Discord, as you can see, but they're not all directly related to the Moon Presence. Yeah. And since we've been talking for over two hours and you probably have to get going and go to sleep and I have to prepare some work for Monday, we should probably wrap it up here and maybe answer the rest of the Discord questions another time. Okay. All right. Richie, please do the outro. That was The Moon Presence Remastered. So, Richie, if you had to summarize everything we said so far in 140 characters or less, how would you do it? Um, I'd say that we, we're we just getting this out of the way so we can move on. <laughs> we're ruling a line under the moon presence, and then we never have to talk about it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Richie. Remember, remember 11 months ago when the Elden Ring trailer came out? <laughs> And we were like, finally, something new to talk about. And then it, <laughs> the moon presence. Well, we are actually going to talk about something new once I get all my notes in order. Really? Do you know what I'm thinking? I have no idea. What is the only thing I have like 20 pages of notes on? MD Guys 2 Death Force. MD Guys 2 Death Force. Yay! Yeah. Yeah. So once I'm completely ready to talk about it, we will talk about it. Yeah. Your commitment to being properly prepared to discuss MD Geist is is admirable. I don't know anyone else who's gone through this. (laughs) Thank you. Even the the people who worked on MD Geist, like, don't remember working on it. (laughs) We actually did cover MD Geist 1, and I'll put it, um, I'll put the link somewhere below. It was a very good podcast. We covered a lot, we discovered a lot, we understood all the lore. Yeah, yeah. And Richie, if people really like our podcast... Well, if you go to patreon.com slash Sinclair Law, for as little as $2 a month, 
you can get access to even more of us talking. <laughs> the thing is, we would never, we would never sell out by making people pay for premium content. So everything on the Patreon is just terrible. It's much worse than this. Yeah, there's several things there that that. Like, it's just me begging you not to ever release them, and then you placate me by saying it'll go on Patreon. I'm like, alright. Yeah. One of the highest tiers is just, uh, <laughs> just, I quote, the largest collection of Rich being a bully, with clips varying from 15 seconds to 8 minutes. Yeah, that's been proving that she's the normal and well-adjusted one by <laughs> making a compilation of times that she thinks I took, like, a rude tone with her. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Rick. Can I go now? Yeah. Yes, you may go now. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Thank you for all the questions. And actually, I just had a vision. You love it when you have visions. <laughs> the other questions that we haven't had time to answer, mm-hmm. we'll do it on stream. Yay! Be hyped, Richie! Yay! Yay! I feel great. <laughs>